You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. But today we're continuing this called Starting Over, and we've been talking about regrets. And something that is universal, something that we all have, it doesn't matter how, what our age is, it doesn't matter how long we've been around, we all have regrets. Matter of fact, regrets can start when we're pretty young. I've talked about this before. Aren't you glad that you didn't have social media? If you're, you're my age or older, aren't you glad that you didn't have social media to be able to catalog all of your regrets, right? Matter of fact, someone just recently was did something crazy. He like caught a, a ball hit him at the game and they were trying to find out who he was and they were like hurry up dude before they find you delete your Twitter account so that when you become famous people don't be like hey you said something offensive like nine years ago right aren't you thankful there's not a catalog of all of our regrets and sometimes regrets start when we're really young and this is really fun I don't know if you've ever done something and before it's even happened you were automatically regretting it you've ever been there like as the situation is unfolding you're like this is instant regrets it's something happens when we're young and the and they say this is true, and there's science that back this up, then maybe this will help you out with your kids a little bit. The part of our brain that develops reason, it doesn't completely get developed until we're like in our mid to late 20s. So sometimes when you ask your kids, like, what were you thinking? Why did you do that? And they're like, I don't know. It's because they're telling the truth. They have no idea why they did that, because they're part of the brain that says, hey, that's a bad idea. For some reason, God just decided to make that develop a little later in life. And so for me, I have lots of stories that I could share with you that I've regretted when I was young, but one that happened in this instance where it was like I was getting to that point where I should have known better and I kind of set this up and, and, and I really regret the situation and what happened but I was staying at a couple of my friends house Josh and Jared were really good friends of mine growing up when I was young and sometimes I would stay at their house and when I would stay at their house because they didn't have an extra bed they actually had one of those hide beds you know what I'm talking about like the couch that has the bed that folds out everyone has one of those and it's the most comfortable bed in the world right everyone's like hey I got this great hide bed for you to sleep in it'll be amazing right and so so that's where we would stay. And so in the morning, uh, we, we woke up and we didn't fold the bed up and it was in the living room and we're just all sitting there hanging out on the high to bed and the chair and just watching TV. And Brian, I have this great idea in this moment. What possessed me in this moment to come up with this idea to this day is one of the great mysteries that when I stand before Jesus, just be like, God, where, what, what was I thinking? And so I have this great moment of, I'm like, hey, why don't we fold up Josh in the hide bed Like, I don't know where that thought came from and like what possesses, you know, so some of you are like kids have some ideas. You're like, look, there's hope. I became a pastor, right? Things, you know, things are okay. I still did all kinds of crazy stuff, but that's where I had this idea. And so I see in Josh and Jared's eyes, they just light up and they're just like, that is the best idea we have ever heard in our entire lives. And they jump up, start whipping everything off the hide bed And in this moment, instant regret hits me. And I'm like, you know what? This is probably a really bad idea. We probably shouldn't do this. Well, they were sold. There was no going back. Josh lays down, and Josh is the younger of the two. They're just a couple years apart. And he lays down on this hide bed and we start folding. And at this point, I'm across the living room. The hide bed's over here, and I'm over in the corner. Guys, I think this is probably a really bad idea. I don't know that we should be doing this. I'm trying to backpedal. Oh, no, no, Brian, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be the best thing ever. And so they start folding up Josh in this hide bed, and they, they get the first, you know, layer wrapped on him, and they get the second. He's not like a little kid at this point. He's like a teenager. He's not, you know, he's not like a small little child. He shouldn't have been able to fit. But in some way, somehow, he was 
able to fit in this hide bed and as he gets the last one, and you know how when you like fold up the hide bed there's that last little bit that tucks underneath the couch, right? And so as they get him tucked underneath the couch, Jared, as he's folding his younger brother Josh in there, his hand gets stuck and wedged between the lump that is his brother and the frame of the couch and he can't get it out. So here I am like, oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden I come over, I'm trying to help Jared get his hand out and he's like, you know, in pain, almost in tears. I'm like, that's like his hand smashed in there, right? And then all of a sudden we hear the faintest voice from within. Guys, get me out. I can't breathe. And I'm like, oh, we're going to kill Josh, right? So I'm just totally losing my mind. Well, then this story just goes from bad to worse. So as this is unfolding, their mom, who is the most soft-spoken, sweetest lady ever, never heard her raise a voice in my entire life. She comes walking in. She sees the situation. At this point, she doesn't know her youngest is folded up like a burrito inside of this bed. No, she just thinks that Jared's hand is stuck. So she's just coming over to help him get his hand unstuck, and then she hears it too. Guys, I can't breathe. Let me out, right? And we're like, she starts freaking out. I'm like, just stay calm as we're like shoving on him, right? I'm like jumping up and down, trying to get his hand out. It's going to be fine. We're just like pummeling him. And so when his mom hears this voice, she flips out. She realizes in a second what has just happened. And she calls for her husband who just screams. And she, and she just, he comes in like something out of a superhero movie. He just comes in, doesn't even take time. It's like dad mode. You know, like dad mode just happens. And it's like, this situation will be rectified now, right? And dad just comes in and he just whips this thing out and like the, just Josh across the living room comes out. Jared's hand is freed. Josh is like hyperventilating. And I'm like, oh, right? Right? And, and his mom was like, I'm just so happy that nothing's wrong with you to be mad at you. And I'm like, this was such a terrible idea, right? And in that moment, they, they agreed with me that it wasn't. And I had to be like, well, it was my idea, right? Yeah, it was a terrible situation. I don't know if you've ever been in something like that where it's like, as it's unfolding, you regret. And you're like, oh, what was I thinking? Especially as we look back at the things in our youth that we've done, sometimes it's like, oh man, what were we thinking? I mean, there are times when I think about some of the regrets, I start blushing. I'm like, that was like 35 years ago. Why am I still embarrassed? You just, you do things and you just really regret them. And sometimes you feel that regret before anything even really happens. You've ever been there? And in this series, we've been talking about three different types of regrets. There's regrets of action, and this is something that we wish that we hadn't done. Maybe you've done something like, man, that was a total mess up. That was a fail. Man, I, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said those things. I'm sorry that I hurt that person. It's something that we just regret that we have done. Then we talked about regrets of inaction. Regrets of inaction is a missed opportunity. It's those things where I wish I would have. It's words left unsaid. It's a, I wish I would have asked for forgiveness. Why didn't I tell them that I love them? It's things that we regret that we didn't do. Why didn't I chase that dream? Why didn't I pursue or finish that degree? Why didn't I try to put more effort into that relationship? And the interesting thing we've been learning in this study and in this book is that many times, the older we get, the regrets of inaction actually become more painful and more real to us than the things that we feel that we've messed up, the opportunities that we've missed. And then the final category we talked about 
regrets of reaction. And regrets of reaction are the things that we may not have done. We may have nothing to do with it. It could be something that someone had done to us. It may be something that was just a complete accident or a mistake, right? And it might just be something like rolling up someone into the hide-a-bed. I mean, that just, you know, a terrible situation, but you, were, you didn't have anything to do with it. It was out of your control, but yet you still feel the pain of the regrets. And see, whether it's something from last week or it was last year or it was decades ago, we long to make things right. And so we talked about this, the going back and forth between trying to long for it to be right, longing for it to be better. We go through something that we call the sorry cycle. And the sorry cycle is I have the regret. Something happened, whether it was action, inaction, or reaction, whatever it was, no matter how long ago it is, we, we long for something else to be the different outcome. We wish it could be different, but when we start to feel sorry about ourselves, maybe, maybe we start to feel sorry about the situation and we just get stuck in this loop over and over again just reliving this regret and we can't get past it. But the good news is we've been talking about is regret doesn't have to be a finish line. Matter of fact, regret can be the starting line. Regret can help us actually do better. And so the way that we have talked about this, the way we have done this is a three-step process that we've started with this. Number one is you've got to recognize your regrets. You've just got to be able to look it in the face. Sometimes you just have to be able to admit, and this could be painful, this might have to cause us to deal with some pride in our life. It may be just being honest with ourselves. It may be willing to let some things come up from the past that are kind of painful, but you've got to start by just admitting that the regret is there. The second step in the process is releasing our regrets. And this usually has to deal with forgiveness. Maybe asking God for forgiveness for a sin pattern or something that we've done in our lives to mess up against the way God's asked us to live our lives. Maybe it's forgiving someone else who hurt us or wronged us in some way. Or maybe it's asking someone else for forgiveness who we have messed up and we've wronged or hurt in some way. And then finally, maybe it just requires us to look in the mirror and forgive ourselves, which sometimes, honestly, out of all of that can be the most difficult thing to do is to forgive ourselves for the regrets that we have. But here's the thing. We've been through this for four weeks now in this series, and my hunch is that, honestly, even as we look through this, and maybe you've been reading through the book, maybe you still feel stuck. See, too many of us still feel painfully dizzy from going round and round in that sorry cycle. But why? Why can't we escape? Why can't we escape this back and forth between longing and regret? Well, I'm glad that you asked Hypothetical Inquisitor. We're going to tackle that today. In order to get to the why, there are a few questions that we're going to unpack and ask this first. So the first question is this. Instead of recognizing my regret, am I turning a blind eye towards it? So instead of recognizing, instead of owning it, instead of saying that this happened, instead of saying and realizing that it happened, are we simply turning a blind eye towards it? And why, why do we do this? What causes us? And here's, here's a few reasons that maybe this happens. Maybe we don't understand how important it is to start by recognizing our regret. Maybe it's a little bit like, you know, when you have the dirty dishes and how about like the really dirty pan that everything sticks to, right? You like boil water and there's stuff stuck to the bottom. There's always that one pan. What's the deal, right? And, you, and you, you have to clean it. But what do you do? You just let it soak and then you just let it stay. And some guys are like, hey, don't mess with the soaking. That's actually a part of the process. But you just don't realize how important it is. And we don't want to do the work of getting in there and scrubbing it and helping it to, to be clean. And so sometimes we just don't do it because honestly, the next one is sometimes, can we just be honest here? We're just too lazy. 
Sometimes we're too lazy to, to, to do the work and recognize that, hey, recognizing our regrets, it's something that we've got to do. And sometimes it's gonna take effort and we don't wanna put the effort in. So sometimes we just choose to be lazy because we just refuse to put the work in that's required to begin the process. And honestly, sometimes we're just discouraged. We're just too discouraged to begin the process. We doubt that any good could possibly come from it. Why would we want to rehash something like that? Why don't we just let it stay in the past? We assume that it's just too big or it's too painful. And so we just let our inner Eeyore call the shots, right? Come on, you know you've got that inner Eeyore. Oh, bother, right? Right? What would be the good? What's the point? Why would we do it? Nothing's good going to come from it. It's just too, right? And you just let the inner Eeyore just call all the shots. It's just, there's just no way we're too discouraged to possibly do it. But you've got to know this, that if you are recoiling at the very beginning of this process just by starting to recognize the regret, chances are that you are afraid of the pain that it may cause and bubble to the surface if you were truly begin to deal with it. And if this is you today, I want you to know that you're not alone. See, recognizing a regret can be like ripping off a bandage and not even just ripping off the bandage. It could be like touching a wound. There will be pain involved. It's almost unavoidable. But what I found, if we are willing to face our regrets head on, this is the only way that they will begin to heal. See, risking the short-term pain is well worth the long-term reward. But so many times we're not willing to face the short-term pain that will cause the results in the end that we are really longing to get out of that cycle. And see, this is something that I understand even in my own life. See, in my past, as I have gone through some very difficult things, some very painful situations, some regret that I was dealing with that just seemed like I would never get past it. And I recognized how unhealthy I was and how I just needed to get healthy. And I, I wanted to, I longed to, I wanted to get out of that sorry cycle. And so I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna get some counseling. I'm gonna sit down and talk about this. And I began to unpack it. And then what I found is that instead of things getting better, I was like, well, this is way worse. We should have just left it buried. Now I have to talk about it. We need to bring it back to the surface. And I, and I recoiled. I stopped. I had to take a step back because I'm like, this is supposed to be helping me, but it just feels like you're hurting me. But see, until I was willing to then go back and say, I'm going to be willing to face the pain. I'm going to own up to this regret. I'm going to walk through it. And only at that point was I then begin to see each step as God met me faithfully, each step in that counseling process to be like, okay, we're going to deal with this pain. We're going to go past. We're going to dig these things up. We're going to walk through it and then begin to one step at a time, begin to find the healing. And so I want to encourage you today that the short-term pain is worth the long-term reward. Don't let the short-term pain that you're going to go through rob you from a life living free of that regret. We've been talking about someone named the Apostle Paul from the Bible and how his life was full of regrets. Matter of fact, God used him in some amazing ways, but his story started out pretty shaky. He did a lot of really terrible things. And see, he could have turned his eye to his regrets. And trust me, he had plenty of regrets. Matter of fact, this guy had a rap sheet that would make Al Capone blush. I mean, he was a terrible, terrible person. But he chose not to hide his regrets. Instead, he chose to face it. And see, when you read the letters that Paul wrote to the first Christ crawlers, there was a lot of vulnerability, something that he just chose to be honest. And at a time when he might have been tempted to hide his regrets, he instead chose to face them. See, Paul didn't hide. He comes clean about what he had done before he became a follower of Jesus. Listen to how he describes his ugly past in Acts 22. 
He says this, I persecuted followers of this way, so it's followers of Jesus, to their death. So he persecuted Christians to their death, arrested both men and women and throwing them into prisons as the high priest and all the council can testify themselves. So he's saying, hey, these are the terrible things I've done and there are people who can back this up. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. And then he continues in 1 Corinthians, he says this. He says, I am the least of the apostles and I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Can you feel the regret that he's dealing with and facing it and taking ownership? See, he, he never tried to hide it. Instead, he owned his mistakes. And if we ever hope to start over, we too have to recognize our regrets. We can't move forward until we face them head on. Don't give in to the temptation to turn a blind eye. The second question we have to ask ourselves is this. Instead of releasing my regret, am I holding on to it? See, in some cases, our regrets, they can feel like a wound, but in other times, it can feel like a blanket. I kind of think of like Linus. Remember how Linus and Charlie Brown was always carrying that security blanket around with him everywhere he went? Sometimes I think regrets can become like that. Instead of something that we are repulsed by or are worried about or is painful, sometimes it's comforting holding on to that regret. Often our feelings toward these regrets can get twisted up to the minds in our minds to the point that we don't want to give them up. See, they become like that old grungy couch from your young adult days, right? It stinks. Everyone's kind of scared to sit on it. They're like, what's the deal with the old couch? But the memories that it brings back, right? Maybe even era that it reminds you of. And this is what can happen. Or maybe you've heard of Stockholm Syndrome. That's where someone who is being captured or held against their own will, where they begin to feel sympathy and they begin to care about the person who is holding them against their own will. So we talked about loving regrets in our series, but we never want to get to the point where we hold on to them and we become attached to those regrets. See, at times we may be holding on to the past instead of releasing them because we can't imagine the possibility of even moving past it. It's too far gone. We've grown too dependent on it. But see, God wants to do a new thing in your life. I love the words of prophet Isaiah when he was talking about how God is a God of redemption. Take a look at what he said. He said, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I love this terminology. I love seeing the description of what he's talking Because what he's saying, hey, it's a wasteland. Another description, and it says in another translation that it's a desert. And it seems that there's no way, there's no life that can come from this. This is a hard, terrible situation, but God is a God of redemption. He's saying, don't worry about that old stuff. Don't worry about the old way of life. I'm doing something new. And matter of fact, I'm doing something new and I'm providing a way for you where it seems like it's impossible for a way to come. Matter of fact, Paul himself reminds himself that he can't hold on to the past regrets. He chooses to forget the past and look forward to the future to which Jesus is calling us. Take a look at what he says in Philippians 3. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things, that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. 
No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing and get this, get this, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Do you catch this, Paul, who could have easily lived in that sorry cycle, who we would have probably been like, yeah, he, he probably should deal with those regrets. Matter of fact, he probably shouldn't have been used by God. What was God thinking using someone who's lived so terribly? But instead, he had the realization that God's grace was bigger and more powerful than any regret that he had or ever would have. He could, have, he could finally loosen his white-knuckled grip on that regret and fully embrace God's grace. How often do we get in the way of our own healing? How often do we not allow ourselves to be forgiven or refuse the grace that God has offered us? See, what is grace? Grace is being given something that you don't deserve. And here's the bad news, right? None of us deserve God's grace, but here's the good news. That's why grace is so amazing because none of us deserve it, but he freely gives it to us. See, how often do we cling to what we know won't bring us fulfillment instead of surrendering to the only one who can make us truly whole? See, friends, today you can make a different choice. You can choose to release the regret in your past and start over. The third question we've got to ask ourselves if we're still feeling stuck is this one. Instead of redeeming my regret, am I resisting redemption? Instead of redeeming my regret, am I resisting redemption? See, the beautiful thing about following Jesus is that God isn't interested in simply erasing our regrets. He longs to redeem them. Our pain can be leveraged to bring hope and healing to a world who's so desperately needs it. See, God's plan was to redeem Paul's regrets by using him to help future generations find their way back to God. Take a look at what he continued to say in his story in Acts 22. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were going to kill him. So you got to catch something and notice something in this passage. Even after Paul found his way back to God, can you hear the regret beginning to creep back in? God had this grand plan to use Paul beyond his wildest imagination, beyond his wildest dreams to reach thousands of people. And what is Paul's initial response? It's to dig up his past. Remember all the bad things I've done? This is Paul saying to God, and he's letting his regrets simply creep back in. See, I think we're tempted to fall back into that trap from time to time, to simply return to the sorry cycle. But what God promises Paul, what does he say? He says this. He says, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Saying, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I hear those regrets, but I'm not gonna let you get stuck and stay here. No, I still have a plan for you. Go and do what I'm calling you to do. He refuses to Paul to get stuck in that sorry cycle. He refuses Paul's past to define his future. And today, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what regret you're hiding from or running from, but God wants to do the same thing with you. 
He wants to redeem your past and he wants to redeem your regrets. And he does not want to, and God does not see your past as your future. And he does not allow your past to define your future. So what are you going to do next time you start to feel that regret creep back in? Well, instead of resisting the work that God wants to do through your life, you've got to let him begin to redeem it. See, when regret begins to drag us back into the sorry cycle, we've got to do something else that we're going to call the starting over loop. The starting over loop. And so the loop begins, excuse me, with this. We've got to recognize the regret. The very first thing we got to do instead of getting stuck in that sorry cycle, we've just got to recognize it. We've got to stare it in the face. We've got to name it for what it is, and we've got to decide of owning it. Catch this, instead of letting it own us, we've got to recognize it. The second step is to release our regrets. Maybe we need to seek forgiveness. Maybe we need to forgive someone else. Maybe we just need to come to God and ask him for forgiveness or face ourselves and just forgive ourselves for the mistake. We've got to be able to leave the regret in the past and move forward to a new future. And finally, we've got to let God redeem our regrets. Bringing something good from them as only he can do. And it might seem like a situation that's impossible And you're right, it might be impossible. Because here's what I know, on our own, we can't redeem any of our regrets. It is only through the grace and mercy that God shows us that we're able to redeem those regrets. And it may seem impossible, but here's the news I've got for you today, that we serve a God who specializes in redeeming impossible situations. It's what he does, it's who he is. So instead of getting stuck in this sorry cycle, we can begin to take the step of living this and and start the starting over loop. But we've got to understand that recognizing, releasing, and redeeming our regrets, it's not something we simply do once and then we're done with it. No, no, no. It's something that we have to do over and over again. Living beyond regret is not a one-time decision. Catch this. It is a way of life. And so when you begin to feel that regret creep in, you can just start through this loop, recognize, release, and allow God to redeem it. I love the way that prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament put it this way in the book of Lamentations. He said this, the steadfast love of God, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, friends, if grace is getting what we don't deserve, we don't deserve God's forgiveness. We don't deserve his love. We can't earn it, but his grace says, no, it's free. Take it. I love you. I'm here for you. So what is mercy? Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. See, when we mess up, when we make the mistakes, we we should be punished for our mess ups, for our sins, from being separated by God. But in this verse, we're reminded that his mercy, not getting what we do deserve, is what new every single morning. And for some of you, this is a verse, this is a prayer that needs to be close to your lips as soon as you wake up in the morning. God, thank you. Your mercies are new every single morning. Thank you, God, that I'm not defined by my past. I'm not defined by that mistake. I don't have to live in that sorry cycle. This regret does not own me. Why? Not because I'm good. Not because I'm going to overcome it. Because your mercy is new every morning. 
God's not sitting there waiting there to hold it over your head. He's saying, no, I love you. Yeah, I know you deserve to be punished for that. I know you deserve to to not receive my love, but my mercy, it knows no bounds. You can't outrun it. You can't live in your life in a way that you you don't deserve it because you don't, but guess what? Every morning, boom, it's new every morning. But God, yesterday knew it's new. But God, if you had seen with it, it's new. Every single morning. See, and here's the kicker with all of this today, friends. Is the starting loop, starting over loop, it's not just for us. And here's what I mean. When we allow God to redeem our regrets, who, who gets the glory for that? Is it us? Is it people being like, oh, wow, Brian, you're, you're amazing. You're awesome. No, God gets all of the glory. See, telling our story of how good God took something that seemed irredeemable and made it beautiful is a powerful way to give God all of the credit, to give him all of the glory. But see, there's a second component to this starting over loop, and that is that we can help others. And maybe that's just something that you can't even wrap your head around right now, but you, you can't imagine what God could do with the regrets from your past. And see, this life became a model for helping others live beyond their regrets. And Paul, remember, he was just like, there's no way God could use me. And when those people saw, they were like, that's Paul? Paul, the guy who was like, he hunted down my cousin, Ray Ray? Ray was like, he just killed him. And God's using him, that dirtbag? Look what he's, who? You're not talking about Paul, right? See, when God, people begin to see what happened in Paul's life, there was no way they could deny it any other way. And they're like, if God used Paul in that way, what could he do in my life? And see, friends, I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know the regret that you're facing with. But when you begin to let go, to face it, to allow God to redeem it, and people begin to see that story, they may not be able to understand all the stuff about God and all the stuff and the stories and the theology and the Bible and everything, but when they begin to see what God has done in your life, and they will do the same thing. Paul, Brian, him, God did that. And God will begin to use your story in other people's lives. See, this is what it looks like when we begin to live in such a way that our regrets are no longer the need to be the finish line. But remember, friends, it can be a starting line. Today, as we close, I want to let you know that today can be your day to start over. Does it sound too grandiose or maybe a little over the top? We'll tell that to the Apostle Paul. His life changed in the instant when he came face to face with Jesus. Tell that to the people who shared all their stories that we watched throughout this series. All of them found a life worth living when they allowed God to help them start over. We're all in different places in our spiritual journeys. Some of, this, some of us have been following after Christ for a long time. Other of us may just be uh, figuring it out for the very first time. But this may be the first time you've stepped foot in church, maybe in years. Or maybe you've been going to church all your life. I I don't know where you are. But either way, what I'm certain of is that we all long for a fresh start. We all want a chance to start over. See, if you've already put your trust in Jesus, hold on to the promise that his mercies are new every morning. That means that every day is a new beginning. And that new beginning is available because of the grace and mercy that we find in Jesus. So whether it's the first time or whether it's the hundredth time, his mercies are new. You can start over. And as we close today, we wanted to give you an opportunity 
to maybe go through that loop with us today. And maybe, maybe you feel stuck and at your seat, there was a little blank piece of paper. And I just want to encourage you, we're just going to give you a few moments as, as Garrett sings. We're just going to give you a moment to maybe write down that regret. Maybe it's more than one. Maybe it's two. Maybe it's three. Maybe you need both sides of the paper. Maybe you need to grab an empty, another empty piece of paper on another seat, whatever it looks like. Just take a moment and begin to write that regret down. Maybe you don't want to write those words down. Maybe just write the symbol or draw the little picture. Whatever it is, just begin to some way begin to put that on that piece of paper. That is your first step of being able to recognize your regrets. Just take ownership for it. And then we want to give you an opportunity to release your regret today. As we sing this song together, as Garrett's going to lead this song, as you take a moment to write that down, we have a cross over here to the side. And we just want to encourage you. If you would be so bold, maybe you need to fold that piece of paper up. Whatever you need to do, just, just take a moment and just lay it down at the foot of the cross. Just simply in a small act, it might seem foolish. It might seem, well, what's the point? Just in a small way, just begin to first just lay it down. Say, God, I'm trusting to, to release this to you. I'm giving it to you. I'm done carrying this. I, I can't let this own me anymore. I'm not going to let it define me. I'm going to just lay it down at your feet. And then after you do that, just take a moment, maybe come back to your seat and just begin to trust God and just begin to talk to him and speak to him. Let him just love on you and say, just God, I just need you to redeem this. God, I trust you. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what the timetable is, but God, I'm just gonna trust you that your mercy is new every morning. God, would you begin to redeem this regret in me? Heavenly Father, God, I just pray in this moment, God, that you would give us the bravery, the honesty, the humility, the strength. God, to just practically walk this out, to just begin to recognize that regret, maybe for the first time in a long time. Maybe something that happened years ago, maybe something from our childhood, maybe something that happened yesterday or this morning. God, help us to be brave enough to, to write that down and to take that step to lay it down at the cross, saying, Jesus, I, I surrender it. I give it to you. I ask for forgiveness. Maybe even walking through the prayer of saying, God, forgive me, or I forgive that person. I don't hold it against them anymore. And then God allowing you to speak over us, to recognize that your mercy is new every single morning. Just ask you now, whenever you're ready, as Garrett sings this song for us, to just take a moment, write it down. Just take a moment, walk over to the cross, lay it down, come back to your seat, and we've got some final instructions for you before we go. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you today in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I just pray for those today, Lord, who may be feeling the emotion or the sting or the pain, maybe the embarrassment or the shame of that regret, Father. God, I pray today that they would know, Lord, as they make that step, God, remind us today, Lord, that you are a good God, that you are a loving God. God, I pray that we would take this and we begin to live this. And when that regret tries to sneak back in, we're like, no, 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 no. That does not define me. That is not who I am. My identity is in you, God. Lord, let us begin to see ourselves the way that you see us, as forgiven, as loved. And God, I pray that as we begin to recognize and release these regrets, God, that we would begin to trust you to redeem them in only a way that you can do it. 
God, even when it doesn't look like it's going to happen, even when it doesn't happen in our timetable, even if it doesn't come through the way that we desire to, God, we trust you and believe, God, that you are a God of the impossible. You are a God of miracles. God, we thank you for redeeming seemingly unredeemable situations. Today, when you're Today, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I just want to give you the opportunity that if you have never said yes to relationship with Jesus before, if you've never surrendered your life to him, see, in the good news, we talked about grace and mercy today. See, you can't earn it. None of us deserve his love. None of us deserve his forgiveness. But here's what I know. All of us, we are in need of a savior. We need Jesus to come and save our lives, save it from ourselves, save it from the path of destruction that we're living on. And maybe today is the day where you say, you know what, I I surrender my life to you, God. I can't do it on my own. I I need a savior. Maybe you're here today. At one point you said yes to a relationship with Jesus and life just got busy. Life got in the way or something happened. Maybe you're dealing with a regret that was so painful and seemed so unredeemable that even began to question and cause your faith, the foundation that you stood on to be shaken. You're like, how can I follow a God who would allow something so incredibly tragic to happen? Friends, I don't know what the reason is, and you know what? It doesn't matter because God loves you anyway. And even if you turned your back on him, even if you were angry with him, listen, God would rather have you be angry and shouting at him than not speaking to him at all because he wants relationship. He doesn't want perfect little robot Christians. He wants people who are broken, (laughs) people whose lives are a mess, people who are too far gone. That's the people that he came to save you and me. So if that's you today, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, I'm going to encourage you to just raise your hand. Say, Brian, include me in that prayer. Maybe for the first time, or maybe I just need to recommit my life to him while no one's looking around. I see that hand. Awesome. Anyone else see that hand? Awesome. I see that hand. Awesome. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray together and pray out loud so that no one has to pray alone. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you forgiving your life for me. I believe in you. Come into my heart. Make me new. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to follow you all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Can we cheer for those who made a decision today? Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.